Are you a passionately curious person? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, Dan Miller here. Yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show. Hey, this is where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. As you hear me say, this is where normal, indecision, and ambiguity come to die. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Now, last week I used as a quotation from Albert Einstein, who said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. What we're going to talk about, based on a bunch of people asking about that, what does that mean? Can we learn to be passionately curious? What happens if we're not? So we don't want to miss out on what's right in front of us. So we're going to talk about that. Here's some other things. We got a bunch of questions, a lot of good news to cover today. What music can I use in my podcast? Well, I'm going to tell you that a whole lot of you are starting podcasts. That's a common question. I'm going to give you a, a real quick tutorial on what you can and cannot do. Another music related question, Dan, how can I be a full-time music therapist? It's an interesting topic. And I want to fill you in on what's happening in the 48 Days Eagles community. Again, we've got our good news. Now, here's our quotation for today. It relates to this as well. The author is unknown. This is just one of those out there. We could probably assign a name and it'd be okay, but I'm really not sure who said it. Everyone is given a gift, but some people never open their package. Well, I really believe that there's some people who just simply are going through a mundane life. I'm going to give you a, a quotation from Scott Adams, the cartoon creator of Dilbert related to that. Some people never open their package. Well, here's our little poem for today from Cliff Feitner. Finding what fits like a glove will help you to rise above. Your world will be sunny as you're making your money in doing the work that you love. A great piece from Cliff. Thank you for that. And we got a special package running right now. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this. I'll give you the link to this. We'll put it in the show notes, but I'll tell you about it. I have a lot of people that ask about how we created the life that we have. What brought me to this place of helping others find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable? I mean, I talk a lot about growing up on a farm, my marriage to Joanne, you know, the parenting and life choices we've made as we raised our three children. I mean, I've been pretty open about that. Got a couple of resources, though, that just kind of package that together. One is a book that's been written by the current pastor of Christ Church. Now, a lot of you know that Dave Ramsey and I both started our businesses out of the nurturing environment of a real supportive church. We were both teaching Sunday school classes. The messages that we have today that have turned into our businesses came right straight out of those Sunday school classes. So Pastor Dan Scott, who's now the senior pastor of Christ Church, 
compiled his notes and memories about that time in the church. Now, this was about 25 years ago, but what happened in the church that caused that entrepreneurial explosion, where there were a whole lot of people who got a real clear sense of their God-given talents and then found creative ways to share those talents and generate income. It's really a pretty delightful story. I was uh, just going back and reading it a few days ago. Again, it really stirred up in me some of the memories and I think got me back truer to what I started with that I want to be true to today. Anyway, it's a beautiful book. We published it here. It's a beautiful 152 page book. Now we've been selling those for $14. We've got about, I think we've got about 400 of them left. We just made that a $5 item. You can get that book. I think it'll inspire you to find your own creativity, to find your own God-given talent. So we've we knocked that down to $5. Now here's the other thing. Joanne and I also have an audio that we call Living, Loving, and Working. That we really talk about, you know, how we both broke out of generational patterns of poverty and dysfunction yeah, we talk about the day that we met, Joanne's very first day at Ohio State University. And you'll hear us talk about decisions that we made regarding education, raising happy children, navigating this entrepreneurial world. I mean, it wasn't always easy, but we really love the life that we have today. That's normally $39. We're making that $11. But now here's the deal. You, you, I'll, I'll give you the link to this. And, and uh, the link is, let me find it here. The link is 48days.com slash sharing hyphen my hyphen story. Again, it's 48days.com slash sharing hyphen my hyphen story. I'll put that in the show notes so you can go right there. So I, I said $5 for the book, Let the River Run, $11 for the audio. If you order them both together, we'll give them both to you for $11. So just go to the link there and check that out. I'm delighted just to share that. And we get so many questions about that. And I thought, man, we just need to make it easy to pass that information along. So we're going to make it real easy for you to grab that. Now, here's a story that, that came to me. This was uh, sent to me by uh, Dr. Steve Curdy. And here's what he says. I'll give you, I'll kind of scan over this. Um, he says, a friend of mine handed me 48 days to the work you love in late 2010. At that time in my life, I was seriously looking for a change for my job as a research physicist at a medical university. Even though as a PhD physicist, I had considerable freedom, I still was not in my sweet spot. For a couple of years, I listened to the 48 Days podcast, finally took your advice to get a coach. I filled out the 48 Days coaching form on the website, expecting to connect with one of the 20 or so excellent coaches who work with 48 Days. But to my surprise, I got an email from you saying you were doing a promotion for Living the Dream in 2013. I remember that well. Right at the end of the year, I put out a thing. I said, I'm going to choose 13 people and work with them. Uh, two sessions, and then we'll do a couple group sessions. Living the dream in 2013. Steve took advantage of that. He says, this began what I could only describe as a complete mental remodeling. I had never known I was an entrepreneur, but four and a half years later, I can draw a direct line from our company, Tabletop Inventing, to the coaching you did with me then. 
I remember distinctly one morning at 4.30 a.m. sitting by the fire in our living room going through the coaching materials when all of a sudden I got this gigabyte download about my perfect life and career. I was so excited I had to go for a jog in the cold rain just to get my feet back on solid ground. But when I told you on our next coaching call, you said something very uncomfortable. That's amazing, Steve, but you don't have the credibility to pull that off. Well, I don't remember that specifically, but Steve does. He says, talk about a buzzkill. Coaching is not for the faint of heart, but a great coach always tells you what you need to hear regardless of what you want to hear. After getting off that call and reeling for a day or two, I resolved to take the next right step, which is a quote from Mike Kim, mutual friend of ours, another coach. I chose the thing closest to hand with potential and tabletop inventing was born. Now he goes through a lot of other things there, but in the last couple of years now, they are doing these workshops for high school kids. He says, we now have our own innovation mastermind group for teenagers. Last summer, they started working on a tech project together. We had programmers from Google, a former IT manager from 21st Century Fox, and the founder of Farsight Studios Computer Gaming Company as guests. All year, the students worked hard on a project. We were so proud of what they did. Just last month, Amazon announced a secret project project they had been working on since late 2016. It was the same project our students had been creating. Our students have been creating an Amazon-sized project. They started three to six months before Amazon. This is what's possible when you step outside your comfort zone to get coaching. A magical life with fun adventures begins to unfold. Thank you, Dan, for helping me find a completely new trajectory in life. And any ads, and I'm happy to pass along. If your listeners are interested in our high school coaching and mastermind group, we're starting another one at the end of the summer. They can email me at steve at ttinvent.com for 20% off that rate. Now, I would encourage you to do that. I'm trying to get my grandkids into Steve and Debbie's coaching groups that they're doing and into these uh, workshops that they're, they go around the country and doing where they're teaching kids about 3D printing and other cutting-edge innovation. So again, you want to check it out, just send a note to Steve at steve at ttinvent.com. Well, delighted to pass that along. Lots of fun things out there. We're hearing from you all as you take ideas, take massive action. I've got a couple other things we're going to be sharing next week about new products that people have developed in the 48 Days community. I want to be sharing those. Now, just some good news. We're going to go through these quickly because there's a lot of good news and a lot of good questions to get to. I'm sure by now you've heard the story from Panama City in Florida where over 80 people formed a human chain to save a family that was being dragged out to sea by the riptide. I mean, that's just an amazing story about people getting together for common good, people from all kinds of walks of life, people from all kinds of ethnicities, male, female, whatever. And they just linked arms to form a human chain because it was clear that a family was in big trouble. I mean, that's just a cool story. If you want to see that, you can actually see video of it. Um, I mean, there were a couple of people in really desperate situation where one the grandmother had already said, you know, just save yourself. And she had gone under a couple of times, but everybody was saved. I mean, there were people in that line who didn't swim well, but they knew it was the right thing to do, to jump in that human chain, lock arms, make a chain out to get those people out of the water. Just a great story. Well, here's another one. This comes from Anderson, South Carolina. This just happened. 
an 11-year-old boy was out fishing and he snagged something and pulled it in. It was a purse. It was a purse that was lost 25 years ago. <laughs> and they opened it up. Inside, everything was pretty intact. I mean, I got a picture here. It's got makeup and baby photos and credit cards, even a high school diploma. There's a whole lot of things and they look in pretty good shape. They're all inside a pocketbook with the owner's name printed inside. Now, what's even more kind of coincidental, if you want to call it that, is the little boy's relatives recognize the name in the purse as a family friend. They looked her up, gave her the purse. She assumed that it had been stolen all that time, 25 years ago, but she was delighted to get it back. Everything in there, a little clip with money, everything in it was really in good shape. How cool was that? 25 years and the kid hooks it with a fishing line, pulls it up out of the lake. Well, here's an invention. Speaking of inventions, uh, this is helping workers who are building for the new World Cup 2022 in Qatar. Now, if you know that little country, it's a very rich country, a very hot country. A lot of oil there, but a lot of heat. And construction workers have a very demanding job. So somebody has created a helmet, a worker's helmet, that has a solar panel on the back that operates a little fan. They can actually cool the skin by as much as 50 degrees with, by wearing that hat. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. They've got 18,000 workers on the site already that are building different World Cup stadiums. And so now somebody, I mean, it's not that complicated. Think about how long we've had the technology. It just took somebody saying, I can do that. It's a very simple construction hat, just like they wear, just hard plastic, a little solar panel that operates a little fan. But in doing that can lower the body temperature, allow these guys to handle working in high heat days there as they're getting ready for the World Cup. Well, cool stuff. Let me know your inventions. Inventions, you know, sometimes people think everything's been invented that can be invented. Oh my gosh, not true at all. There's so many ideas. You ought to see three or four ideas every month that would make you a millionaire if you took action and did something with them. But usually you just walk by or we assume, well, somebody probably already did that or, eh, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. And we dismiss the idea that may in fact have a lot of value. Well, here's just another feel good story. Johnny Phillips used to suffer through the two hour walk to and from work every day, but not anymore. Thanks to a compassionate customer. Johnny is a father of three works at a Circle K gas station in Springfield, Illinois. Despite having to work, you know, I had somebody, I had lunch with somebody yesterday from Springfield, Illinois. Despite having to work 10-hour shifts, he still braves the tedious walks to his job through heat and high weather. So he's walking two hours to and from work so he can at least have a job working at the Circle K. Well, Jim Copeland, who works for a postal service contractor, always stops by the gas station, pick up a snack on his way to work every night. So after several months of chatting with the attendant, he just got to know him, found out about the fact that he was walking that far. So eager to help his favorite Circle K cashier, Copeland found a bike for sale on Craigslist. Then he presented the gift to Phillips over the weekend. When Copeland placed the gift into Phillips' outstretched arms, the attendant could not contain his excitement. He teared up, took it for a spin around the parking lot. I mean, even though he's a grown man and father, 
you know, just that basic gift. I mean, think about how easy that would be to do. I mean, there are bikes on Craigslist for 10 bucks, but just to take the initiative to gift somebody with something that will really help them out, make their life better. My goodness. How cool is that? A few years ago, our friend Tom Ritchie, who has uh, made a lot of money in the mountain biking space. He's very inventive. He's invented a lot of things where ultimately bicycle riders and the Tour de France and other things use his products. But he had gone to Rwanda with Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, and he saw these people riding bikes, hauling things, and using them for transportation that were made 100% out of wood just made out of the basic products that they could find there, made out of wood, wheels, spokes, everything. And he thought, goodness, at least he could make it easier for him because he had access to so many bicycles. So my son Jared was over there at the time in Rwanda, and he coordinated the purchase of several hundred bicycles, as I recall, to distribute to worthy people in the community to kind of up their transportation quality where they could get a bicycle. Well, that ought to spawn all kinds of new businesses as well. Bicycle repair and all that. That's just the way that it works. That's the way capitalism, entrepreneurship works. It spawns new opportunities for people. doesn't take opportunities away. Well, hey, one more thing here, and then we're going to go into some questions. I love this story. This just happened this last week. This is also, well, this is up in Carmel, Indiana. Sarah Cummings had spent two years planning her dream wedding with her fiance. The expensively lavish affair was supposed to take place at the Ritz Charles in Carmel, one of the fanciest locations in the city. But then a week before the big day, the bride and groom decided to cancel the event. Now, nobody's talking about the reason for the cancellation, whatever, but Sarah was devastated by the change of plans. Plus, the celebration came with a non-refundable $30,000 deposit, probably done by Sarah's dad, but nonetheless, a non-refundable deposit. So instead of letting the food and decor go to waste, the 25-year-old Purdue University student called homeless shelters in the local area, invited the residents to what would have been her wedding celebration. Now, there's some really cool pictures on this, too. You can look it up. Again, just happened a few days ago. Over 150 of the city's homeless residents showed up to enjoy a deliciously prepared dinner and reception. Additionally, news of Cummings' good deeds spread across social media, inspiring other locals to donate formal attire for the guest. So the homeless people showed up and were given formal clothes to wear to come into this beautiful, elegant reception area and then had food upon food, cake and the whole deal. I mean, and, and she said the, the bride, the, the would-be bride said, for me, it was an opportunity to let these people know they deserve to be at a place like this just as much as everyone else. I mean, it's, I mean, certainly sad that their wedding didn't pay, take place, but uh, certainly good that it did not if they decided there was reason not to. Better then than later. Don't go through with the wedding, even if it's planned and paid for, if you realize it's a bad choice. My goodness. So, but what what a cool redirection of all the celebration that was supposed to take place just to bless people who don't normally get to take part in that kind of a celebration. All right, let's go into some questions. Paul says, 
Is it possible for you to speak further on your thoughts regarding what being passionately curious can lead to or make possible? When I saw that graphic, I thought, absolutely. The question is often raised, what can you not or not do? In my case, one of those things is to be curious, to understand, to ask why. I seem to be a four-year guy and after that time can become bored or frustrated. What I've learned in large part from you, Dan, is these things are okay. I've been working in the area of healthcare and public school education, which I see as highly rigid and structured. The keys are to recognize these traits and put oneself into a position of context where such things are, a, which such characteristics are a strength. Keep up the fantastic work and so on. Thank you, Paul. Well, last week's quotation was the one from Albert Einstein, who said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. Now, when you think about all the things that Einstein did, you would think, well, he must have been a genius. And he says, no, he wasn't even that talented. He was just passionately curious. He just was asking questions about things. I think that's what it means to be passionately curious. I mean, a lot of people just kind of drift through life, um, really kind of just accepting things at face value, uh, driving the same way to work every day. I mean, just change things up. I mean, when you, I have, I'm blessed with lots of grandkids and when they come around, my goodness, they don't just accept things at face value. They see a little design in a rock and they say, why is that there? You know, was this area covered with water at some time? You know, why is there a fossil in this rock on our property in Franklin, Tennessee? I mean, everything, you know, why is a frog green? Why does water make a sound when it goes over rocks? I mean, think about that. I mean, well, it just, it just does. Is that going to satisfy a five-year-old? No. That little five-year-old is going to say, why? Why does it do that? And, and I try to nurture that in myself and in those people around me. I mean, just recently I whipped into Home Depot as I do frequently and the car I drive does often get comments. So I whipped in parking place, jumped out, was walking across the parking lot and was met by a young kid and his girlfriend on his arm. He was probably, uh, probably 21, 22 years old, I would guess. Do you know, baggy pants, tattoos, spiked hair, you know, just kind of that look, nothing wrong with that. He said, oh my gosh, you know, that would be my dream to have a car like that. So instead of just saying, hey, cool, man, hope it works out. I stopped. I said, what are you doing today to make that dream come true? And he was like, he stopped. He was like, wow, what do you mean? I said, what are you? I said, you can drive any kind of car you want. You want that car? You can drive that car. But what are you doing today to make that a reality? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, long story short, he wasn't doing anything. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not working, you know, living at home. He's really not doing anything. And he doesn't have any, when he says, that's my dream, all he means is that's some kind of elusive wish, hope in my mind. It's not a goal because he has no plan of action, no timeline. Well, I challenged him on that. I mean, I don't, didn't want to make him feel bad in front of his little girlfriend and not that at all, but I encouraged him, man, create a plan. Just decide what is it that you do really well that you could do. People will willingly give you money for that. Don't spend all the money they give you. Live simply, save up, buy a car, never have a car payment 
like I have never had a car payment. I drive any kind of car I want, never had a car payment because that was one of those, that's just one of those goals of mine that I decided it didn't make sense for me. Well, that's a topic for another day, perhaps. But anyway, to be passionately curious, you engage with people like that. Read, go to concerts, talk to people, take a course, ask why. All right, now, got another piece here. Uh, Scott challenged me a little bit in my response. Um, a couple weeks ago, there was a gentleman, young guy, who said he was kind of losing his passion because he had a paid-off house, plenty of money in retirement, lots of cash saved up, no purpose, was kind of burned out. Scott says he's kind of in the same place and is struggling about what to do to keep going. And he says, I think the answer needs to be deeper than just keep working. If he's not intrinsically motivated to keep doing what he's doing, why not suggest a change? Get into 48 days to the work you love. Find a job that you love. And if money isn't an issue, how much easier is that? And Scott says uh, for himself, he's wondering if he should go back and get a new degree or start a new career or sell the business he has now, start a fresh business. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. But he said there ought to be some other options besides just keep working. Well, I, I apparently did not clarify that as I should. Uh, certainly I, I would not say just make yourself continue doing what you're doing, even though you're bored. I mean, certainly not. My thing was you don't have the right to just unplug and do nothing. Yes. Keep engaged, keep doing something productive. But if that's something totally different than what you've been doing, Hey, fantastic. I mean, what a cool thing. Try something new. Yeah. Go on a new path to be successful in doing that. Now, you know, the, the, uh, cartoonist Scott Adams, you know, Dilbert, one of my favorite cartoons, just really cool stuff because it's so stinking true. It's so lifelike when he has his little cartoons about work. But here's what he says. I was reading this in, this is in Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss's new book. It's a massive book. My gosh, it is, uh, well, 700 pages. So it's a big book, but I love to just open it and flip through it because it's got two pages from different people that Tim Ferriss has interviewed over the years. And this is one from Scott Adams. So Scott says this, if you want an average successful life, it doesn't take much planning. Just stay out of trouble, go to school and apply for jobs you might like. But if you want something extraordinary, you have two paths. Number one, become the best at one specific thing. Number two, become very good. Top 25% at two or more things. The first strategy is difficult to the point of near impossibility. Few people will ever play in the NBA or make a platinum album. The second strategy is fairly easy. Everyone has at least a few areas in which they could be in the top 25% with some effort. Scott says, in my case, I can draw better than most people, but I'm hardly an artist. And I'm not any funnier than the average stand-up comedian who never makes it big, but I'm funnier than most people. The magic is that few people can draw well and write jokes. It's the combination of the two that makes what I do so rare. And when you add in my business background, suddenly I had a topic that few cartoonists could hope to understand without living it. Now, he, he says, as an example, he says, I always advise young people to become good public speakers, top 25%. Anyone can do that with a little bit of practice. And then if you add to that talent, any other skill, suddenly you're the boss of the people who have only one skill. I really like that. That's a pretty cool thing. Kind of a, an interesting twist to a lot of things we talk about here. But he says, become you don't have to be a superstar. You know, you may not be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or Michael Jordan, but you can become in the top 25% in two things. And the combination 
can really put you into an extraordinary kind of category. I'm going to massage that idea. I'd love to hear from some of you who have proven yourself to have done exactly that. You're, you're not absolutely great. You know, I think about uh, David Foster, the musical producer arranger. You know, he's worked with people like Josh Groban, Celine Dion, and, you know, all the superstars like that, and has made himself very wealthy and very famous because of that. But he said if he had been a little better as a musician, he would have been just another faceless horn player in the orchestra. But he wasn't quite good enough to even do that. And because he wasn't quite good enough to be a better than average musician, he decided he was going to take his passion for music and his knowledge of music and combine it with his ability to make somebody else look good. Well, that's an example of what Scott Adams is talking about here. So let me know what you've done to be better than average in the top 25% in two different areas and how that's worked exceptionally for you. We, we come up with a lot of examples, but I'd love to have you send those to me. And if you got that example, you just shoot it to ask Dan at 48days.com. Of course, the same place where you can send your success story or question that you've got that you'd like us to discuss right here. Now, here's a question. This is, I'm going to play a short audio, just 18 seconds from Jocelyn. And it's a question we can unpack real quickly. Hi, Dan, this is Jocelyn. And my question is, I'd like to know the best practices for using recorded music for podcasts. I'd appreciate anything you would be willing to share. Thanks for your time and your help. All right. Now, that is a common question that I'm asked a lot. I open the show here with the old Bachman Turner Overdrive taking care of business. I mean, that's a copyrighted song. I pay a licensing fee to Sony every year to use that in the opening. Now, that's the deal. Don't mess around if you've got a podcast by just taking some music and assuming you can just use it. You can't. Please, please, please don't do that. My best advice, they're really... There, there is royalty free music. What that means is that doesn't mean that it's free. That means that you pay a small fee once and then you can get to use it anytime that you want to. Let me give you an example here. Now you can get music like this from places like melodyloops.com, premiumbeat.com, shutterstock.com. They have a music area. Music Bakery, musicbakery.com is the place that I have used for years. So when we create an audio CD, you know, we, we, uh, I get music from Music Bakery. Uh, Joanne's new book, Creating a Haven of Peace. We've got uh, little clips from Pachelbel's Canon on there. I got that from Music Bakery where I purchased the clips that we use as the intro to chapters and the outro to chapters. Just purchase it. Not a big deal at all. And you can get things like this. So you can see how that would be a reasonable like intro to a podcast that came from music bakery. So again, there's plenty of places like that. And what you do is pay a one-time fee and then it's yours to use. Now, when I say a one-time fee, I'm not talking about thousands of dollars. I'm talking about, you know, 30, $40 that you pay to get that, but do that so that it's a clean ownership. Now you can find creative commons music out there and you can look for that to me 
it's not worth trying to figure out if it's in Creative Commons or not. It's very confusing to know if something really is in that Creative Commons space or public domain. You know, there's music that goes out of copyright and is in the public domain, just like books do after a certain amount of years. To me, I don't want to mess with that. I don't, I don't want to mess with the possibilities of having somebody come back three years from now and say, no, that's a license. That's a copyright piece that you used and you owe us now for three years. So don't do that. But there's plenty of places to get it. Now, let me me give you another example here, because you can also get music for your podcast that's done personalized for your opening. And this is not expensive. I'm going to play you a little bit here from our buddy Cliff Ravenscraft opening of his podcast and you'll hear how personalized it is all kinds of music in there all put together very legit pay one-time fee for it and this is what you can get are you ready to take your message your business and your life to the next level want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience training tens of thousands of people from all around the world hi cliff this is pauline from auckland new zealand john from calgary alberta amy porterfield michael hyatt dan here from Dunedin, new zealand ray edwards mark mason mike stelzner pat from smart passive income it's darren from melbourne australia Whether you're looking to launch a podcast or build an online business that allows you to do the work you love, you've come come to the right right place. Podcast Answer Man presents The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Now, here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode. I believe this is episode number 500. There you go. So what what you've got is a very personalized, upbeat Golly, anything that you want in there, that's done by our good friends, Mike and Isabel Russell at Music Radio Creative. They live on the Isle of Wight, just off the southern coast of England. Delightful couple. We've been at their house, spent time with them. Mike and Isabel Russell, Music Radio Creative. So you can check that out. Now, they have a, they have a, a guide, and I'll put a link to this. It's too long to try to give you the URL, but they have a, a comprehensive guide about all these issues regarding licensing for music in your podcast. So I'll put a, sh- a link to that in the show notes. Just go to 48days.com, this podcast episode for uh, July 21st, and I'll have a link to that comprehensive guide. So there you go. Great question. One that comes up a lot, and we'll, we'll kind of save that information to just pass on along to people as they need it. But don't mess around. It's like photos and blogs. Don't pull something off Google and put it in there. My goodness, step outside, take a picture yourself or do something. Don't do that. All right, here's a question from Caleb, who says, I've recently purchased your 48 low-cost business ideas. and was wondering if you could connect me with a gentleman who reads history books for his business. I love to read out loud the Bible, fictional novels, and Shakespeare, and would love to construct a business out of this idea. Thanks for everything you do. Now, I, I don't mind telling you who that is. I mean, he's, he's a real person. His name is Jim Hodges. You can find him at Jim Hodges Audiobooks. But what I don't want you to do is think that Jim is going to make you successful in your business. This is like um, Stephen King, you know, the writer. You know, when he does writing conferences, he, he says that almost without exception, one of the first four questions that's going to come up from the floor is what kind of pencil do you use when you write? Because he still writes longhand. 
And he's, he just, he emphasizes how ridiculous it is to care what kind of pencil he uses. But people think, well, if I just duplicate what Stephen King does, then I'll have his success. No, that's a very small part. So Caleb, you can do what he did. I mean, he turns historical novels, historical books into audio programs that he then sells to homeschoolers. I've been very successful doing that. Yeah, just one of the ideas and 48 low-cost business ideas, but certainly one you can replicate. But um, again, know, know that it's your work that's going to make it come true. It's like when people thank me, you know, for changing their lives. You know, thank me for the success they're having now. I'm like, my gosh, I didn't do anything. You know, you, you read something I wrote or listened to something I said you're the one that took massive action to make that true in your life. My goodness. I mean, what I supplied was 1%. What you did was 99%. And that's what it takes. So just knowing about somebody else who is successful in a particular area, you can know everything they did. And it's not going to change your life significantly. You've got to get in the game, do the work. So anyway, hope that's not critical, but helpful. All right. Now this comes, well, I'm going to call this person Bob. Doesn't want his real name to use. I want to thank you for everything a couple years ago, you answered my question on the podcast and sent me a copy of the new edition of 48 days. Thank you so much for that. Continuing to encourage us and share your message. So Bob says, I'm currently in a full-time elementary music position. I'm also board certified music therapist. Now this is an unusual, this is an interesting application here. And I've recently earned a certificate in hospice and palliative care music therapy. While the school job, let me go back here. While the school job is fine for now, and I'm an S and a C in the disc and a hospice music therapy position would be a much better fit for my personality tendencies and values, dreams, and passions. I've been in touch. Now what, what this is, what Bobby's saying is, is he can go in and using music, he can work with people who are in hospice, who know they're dying. Music is very soothing. Sometimes it helps them recall things so they can connect with family members. I mean, it's a really valid area of focus. I've been in touch with all of the quality hospices in my area to share my enthusiasm for and belief in the value of hospice music therapy. One hospice seems interested, but it's moving fairly slowly and they'll likely want to begin with a limited number of weekly contract hours rather than a full-time position or its equivalent. I respect that they need to stick to their timelines and move deliberately. In the meantime, while the full-time music teaching position is okay, it's a drain in my time and energy. I'd also love to work toward additional income streams to continue to grow financially. So here's the question. I've read Jim Cockrum's Silent Sales Machine. His ideas really resonated with me and I'm considering taking his proven Amazon course in order to supplement my income and eventually replace my school job income and free up my time so that I can pursue hospice music therapy, which I find so fulfilling without having to initially rely on enough hours of hospice music therapy work to pay the bills. Then I can grow that work with quality and without putting pressure on myself or on the organization to add hours too quickly or to seek more work out of financial desperation. Do you think this Amazon idea is wise? Or is selling on Amazon out too far outside the scope of what I'm already doing and hoping to do, which is all music related? So what he's asking here, what Bob is asking, he's a full-time teacher in music. 
He wants to move into music therapy, working with hospice programs. But in the meantime, he wants to be able to make this transition where his family doesn't starve and is thinking about doing something on Amazon. All right. Yeah, th- this is one of those where it's very clear- clearly I'm going to go to both and not an either or. Now, here's why I really commend you in your heart for wanting to move into music therapy in a hospice situation. But I question whether that's even a responsible move to do full time when you have a family. Now, hospice is a, it's a charitable organization. The, the people that are in there are in there because they love the connection. They see it as a ministry, something compassionate, humanitarian that they do. But it's certainly not a place where you're going to do well financially. Well, let's just kind of assume that. And I don't think there's any question, but what we're accurate on that. So you want to do that. But see, this is one of those situations where I would caution you against trying to make your passion the only source of income. If you want to have freedom to do that and freedom to have the flexibility to be available when they need you. Golly, you know, when hospice has an urgent need or somebody is, you know, two hours from death's door and they call you. Yeah. If you're teaching school and say, well, I can come in on Saturday, that's not going to work. So I commend you on all of that. I think you're right on track with exploring something you can do on Amazon. And incidentally, Jim Cochran's book, Silent Sales Machine, it's just ready to be released in its 10th edition. 10th edition. Now, what Jim does is he updates it every couple of years. So this is the 10th update. And anybody who has ever ordered it at any point can get the update free. Which really cool system. Jim's just an amazing, generous guy. Um, Jim's in my personal mastermind. So we're dear friends and I know what he's doing, know well what he's doing. Going to be speaking at his conference for Amazon sellers in Orlando, CES in Orlando uh, toward the end of September. Love to see some of you there talk to you about what you're doing on Amazon. So yeah, Bob, I think that's a good move for you to be moving in that direction to do something on Amazon. Now, when you say it's you know unrelated to what you're going to do, do something in the music arena. I mean, do something on Amazon that ties in with your passion for and understanding of music. I mean, are the things that you understand more than you're in that top 25% already in that music area, probably. So if it's finding old printed music, you know, the scores of movies that you can find and resell, or if it's musical instruments. I mean, I know a guy who started purchasing guitars made brand new by one of the major guitar brands. I won't say which name, but he could buy them for about 15 cents in the dollar. Now they were not perfect. So they weren't going to sell them with their brand. So he buys them, removes that company logo totally and then puts them back out on eBay and sells them for what would be about 50% of their typical cost. In doing that, he makes over $300,000 a year. Now he was originally doing repair to stringed instruments and realized there was really a a ceiling on that. There were only so many hours in the day that he could do that, but doing what he's doing now, there's really no ceiling to it. And it appears that defective guitars 
There's no limit to the quantity of those as well, but he's turned that into a very, very profitable business. I would encourage you to look for something that does that, allows you to do the Amazon business, yeah, where you're not tied into hours. I mean, there, there are people that have every product you can imagine. It can be shoes or cameras or bows and arrows or clothing, Banana Republic clothing, brand name clothing. You know, it can be anything, but look for ideas that embrace your love of music, but absolutely. I, I think you can so quickly replace the money you're making as a full-time teacher that it'll, you know, freak you out when you realize how close that was to you all the time. So yeah, learn how to do that. You know, and when you talk about his proven Amazon course, absolutely. You know, whatever he, whatever Jim Cochran has, take it, shorten your learning curve, connect with people in his group, his audience to learn from them, get up to speed and run into that. Then allow yourself the luxury of offering your services as a music therapist and hospice. So it's not, so you're not counting the hours that they're going to pay you so you can buy groceries for your family. Heavens no. I mean, look at, look at an organization like mercymusic.org. What they do is they equip what they call musicianaries. Isn't that a cool term? Musicianaries. So they provide healing and encouraging music to shelters, rehab programs, mental health facilities, hospice, hospitals, anywhere that the suffering can be found. So the, the organization is Mercy Music. Now, I know people connected with them. I mean, a personal friend, Chuck Beckman. Uh, Chuck knew him up in Bowling Green, Kentucky when he was a student. I was, uh, I was doing my graduate work at Western Kentucky University. He was a student. He was friends with Michael Card. He and Michael played together. Back in those years, uh, Michael went on to be a solo artist and Chuck uh, got into construction. But in now over the last few years, he's returned to his music roots and he plays with this organization, Mercy Music. You can go to mercymusic.org and you can search for Chuck Beckman and find the details about my friend Chuck right there and see what they're doing. That's how I would encourage you to approach this. That's how I would encourage you to approach your desire to be a music therapist with hospice. Yes, do that, but be careful of then forcing that to be your primary source of income. That's where all of a sudden that sets the stage for resentment. Don't do that. Well, great question. Well, a couple of just quick things here and we'll wrap things up. And the 48dayseagles.com group, uh, getting a lot of fun things happening there. We're doing Monday mentor um, sessions. This next Monday, I'll be heading that session on our Monday mentor session, free to all members, of course, along with a whole lot of other things. We're putting resources in there like the 48 uh, business ideas that was mentioned. I just put that in. There's a free resource. You get that free, you get right to the bank. You get rid of the day. All the, a lot of things that we have digitally available are instantly available as a member of 48dayseagles.com. But on Monday, I'm going to be talking about coaching. We've had a lot of discussions going on in there about how to be a coach, how to get a coach. I mean, Alan Dubon started a great question uh, that developed into a really long train of comments and a lot of confusion about why would I get a coach, you know, if things are going okay. Well, personally, I can't imagine not having a coach. Uh, that's the way that I view it. But uh, we're going to be talking about that on Monday in there. Well, hey, I'm going to bring up that music and I'm going to use the music underbed that Alan Tuttle did it for us here. Now, this is free because Alan just did it for us. 
So it was original with him. He didn't just pull it off the internet somewhere. He created it. So it gives us the freedom to use it here. But again, thanks to him for doing that. And just to remind you again about that um, special deal that we've got, Let the River Run. Tells a story about how Dave Ramsey and I got started, what happened in Christ Church years ago when there was an entrepreneurial explosion. And a whole lot of us discovered God's unique gifts to us and took action on those, not to be just better church members, but to do things in the community that would bring value to people in the community, spread a message of hope and encouragement way beyond that. That book, 152-page book, now available for $5. You can get that along with Living, Loving, Working for $11 total. Again, the link for that is 48days.com slash sharing hyphen my hyphen story. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing group of people growing every day where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week.